Poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of Chasing Poker Greatness. We are back for Tactical Tuesday, and I am joined by my long-lost co-host, who has finally recovered from a bunch of various ailments, has a brand new motherboard. Coach Thomas, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Brad. It's been a Kind of sad listening to John Chai take over my role, but it, you guys have had a, a lot of interesting discussions and had some awesome hands while I was gone. I'm running polls as we speak. If anybody has an opinion, send me an email, brad at chasingpokergreatness.com. If you want me to just ditch Thomas, go with John Chai for the foreseeable future, let me know. I, I think I think I can make that happen for you. I, I'm happy to have that happen. Then I, <laughs> I don't have to sit here and talk to you every week, Brad. <laughs> Oh, such a loving, loving relationship built on mutual trust and respect and admiration. Thomas, why don't you tell us what you've got cooked up for the listener today? So we've we've got a theme today that is quite a bit different than what we're used to. The theme today is going to be the Not-So-Tactical Tuesday. Um, It's going to be focused on downswings and mental games surrounding them. Um, I came up with this topic a few weeks ago. When uh, I was going through a downswing, I went through a 15 buy-in downswing at 500 and, and 200 ml online and have since recovered. And uh, multiple other villagers were also going through downswings. So it was kind of the, the topic at hand that I thought was important to discuss. And we're finally getting to it just a full month or so later. Yeah, well, let's do this not-so-tactical Tuesday. And uh, happy to have mental game and the emotional side of poker discussions it's something that i think is under talked about and it's really hard to state the it's really hard to overstate the importance of having a strong resilient mental game this is something that i think that you actually haven't spent quite enough time on from the coaching side because you, you mostly coach and do tactical stuff and help with lifestyle stuff, but I think that you could actually just offer mental game coaching specifically. I know you, you do a little bit of that in the uh, elite program that you offer, but some sort of thing like Jason Sue, I think that you are, you are capable of, of pulling it off. So maybe, maybe something to look forward to in the future. Maybe Brad will be doing some mental game coaching. Who knows? Yeah, Thomas. Well, welcome back to the show. And yes, please, let's, let's, Talk about creating a competing product for the only sponsor in the history of Jason <laughs> Poker Greatness, Jason Sue. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be thrilled. <laughs> uh, who knows? Maybe it's just a partnership. Uh, maybe it's a product. I don't know. I, I would say, too, like the mental game side of it is something that I'm, I, I'm really passionate about. I'm passionate about exploring why things happen, why folks stumble, why certain folks stumble in some areas and other folks don't why some people have such a hard time grasping 
what's going on in their bodies with their emotions and other people seem to be so naturally resilient. Like it's very fascinating to me. And obviously I've had Nick on multiple times with the detox files and him and I are very, very much alike in just our love of exploring our curiosity, seeing where they take us. But I I am getting to the point where I feel confident that I'm able to make an impact in the mental game side of things. I guess as a poker player for many, many years, playing tactically, improving on a tactical level, my level of confidence in helping folks in that area is has historically just been much higher. But I have been doing some work in the elite program and some guys are making incredible gains. And like, I find it very satisfying that I'm able to navigate and, and and guide people in overcoming these types of struggles it's a it's a really good feeling so to, to move into the conversation um i i think that with downswings and mental game that people fall into two categories they fall into kind of a risk averse category that is historically what i lean into and what i think the vast majority of players lean into um where maybe on a downswing maybe they start shying away from making bluffs, maybe they shy away from making a a call down, those sorts of mistakes versus uh, the more gambler type. And I I put you in this category, Um, and and we'll get to why in a moment, but these players lean into it, they make bigger call downs, they bluff even more when they're on downswings, and they're not really scared of of going bust, they're they're willing to shot take higher stakes um, very quickly. I don't know if that's a hundred percent accurate. I, I like to think that if I if I if I'm so emotionally compromised that I'm doing something more than I otherwise would, then I'm probably not going to feel comfortable playing. However, I'm certainly not going to take the, my foot off the gas pedal <laughs> whenever I'm on a downswing, right? Like, I I think that my my viewpoint has always been like how I've played has gotten me to this point. So why? change it up when things are going bad, when, you know, an upswing's likely just right around the corner. Most of you know my story at at this point, where my progression has been one that's very linear through every stake so far. Um, And I'm I'm very cautious with uh, shot taking and bankroll management and stuff. But Brad, the reason why I, I put you in this category is how you got into poker and how you succeeded initially. So what I'd like you to share with the audience is when you were first playing uh, live poker professionally and, and live 510 in Los Angeles, there were, were some uh, bankroll choices you made that uh, I, I think would be great <laughs> to share with the listeners. So Los Angeles was just a twinkle in my eye. This was down in Florida when I was playing and basically – Look, it, the, the year was 2004, and not only did I not know my head from a hole in the ground, nobody really knew their head from a hole in the ground. And I just saved up my money and jumped in the games. Like, 3K? Cool, let's move to Florida, and poker's going to work out, right? Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And luckily, I, I, I started out winning, and you know, the first time they spread no limit on the boat, I, I went from playing like 510 limit, which is a pretty small game. And they spread 510 no limit. And it was like, yeah, this is my time to shine. Uh, <laughs> I want to play no, more no limit. And we finally have an opportunity to play in a cash game. So what's kind of funny leading up to this story is like, because I was so dumb and immature and irresponsible, I had a wallet, um, 
I'd been living in Florida for a little while. I lost my wallet and, and it just had like $4,500 in it, right? Like it, I, I, I didn't know where it was. It was just like missing. I had no license, so I didn't feel comfortable driving my car anywhere. I was just a, a total hot mess with about $1,500 to his name. And yeah, they spread 510 on the boat and it was like, okay, well, at that point, I think I was very, I was not so stupid that I was unaware that I was a hot mess. I realized that I was kind of a hot mess and was like, you know what? If I go broke, if I lose this 1500, I'll just take my car, no license and just go back home and put it all on the table and, uh, ran well and actually won about 2,500. And then a week later I found my wallet. So I was back in business. <laughs> Seems like a very uh, fortunate turn of events for you, uh, knowing what we know now about uh, poker variants and, and the swings that, that occur with it. Look, three weeks after that, maybe a month after that, was when I deposited my $75 on party poker, ran it up to 800 overnight, played a $200 multi, and got fourth for 15 k And uh, I think that was, <laughs> that was really when I was off to the races. But yeah, it was... Uh, a lot of a lot of things could have definitely gone south, but you're 20 years old with no responsibilities. It was just like let's take these risks now. It's not going to hurt anybody really besides myself. So not something that I would. It, it actually makes me feel a little bit of shame looking back on it. But like back then, no big deal. Whatever. Compared to me, um, at 20 years old, I think it was probably the first time I played live in a casino. And I went up to Windstar with uh, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, and a buddy, and played some 1-2. I min-bought into the 1-2 for $100 and was nervous putting $60 in the middle on the last hand of the night. Uh, so a little bit different perspective where you were just willing to put your net worth on the table, basically, and I was not willing to put anything close to my net worth on the table. <laughs> I will say that like when I turned 21 and was able to go to casinos, the two five games that were being spread at the time were basically all uncapped. Like most all the games were uncapped and I would take 10K to Tunica and buy in for 7K, like basically to cover everyone. And if somebody built up 9K, well, I guess I'm going to have 10K on the table. I think that not only was I probably more of a natural risk taker than you. I, I think I was probably also influenced by my partner at the time, a friend of mine who puts really me to shame with the sheer amount of risk and quite frankly, stupidity that, that he, he did over the years. So I didn't exactly have, um, you know, if you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, I would say that that person um, <laughs> brought my risk aversion average or risk uh, inclination average way up. So the the process that I used moving up stakes um, initially, like I just used a twenty buy-ins or so, um, but I, I found that once I hit one hundred nl and two hundred nl, that twenty buy-ins wasn't anywhere close to enough for me. Not necessarily because the risk of going bust was particularly large. It's just that losing five buy-ins when you have 20 buy-ins for, for my mentality felt horrible. Um, I, I found that I wasn't able to alleviate a lot of the emotional stress in poker until 
my role was 50 to even 100 plus buy-ins for, for a stake. So I, I have done the exact opposite of you the, the entire way up through the stakes and have continued to do so. Um, even with uh, moving into 510, I have been very, very cautious um, as far as bankroll management. Yes, way too cautious in my opinion. You've, cost, you've managed to cost yourself likely hundreds of thousands of dollars. I, I don't disagree with you with that statement. I think that um, I am cautious to a, to a fault with that. Um, I have surprisingly improved um, over time, but uh, that's just a statement for how far risk averse I, I was more so than that I'm, I'm in an optimal spot now. Um, I do think that it's important to kind of balance this sort of thing because like the, the style that you used, it's so easy to go bust. If you think about like Bren Kenny um, is a perfect example. He's the prototypical gambler who's going to risk it all time and time again just to try to play the biggest games as possible. And I, I don't know how many times he's gone bust. And I know he is the winningest player in tournament history now, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes bust again um, just following that mentality. Yeah, I mean, when you put a large percentage of your net worth at risk over and over and over again, the only outcome is that you will go broke. That's just the reality of this world. And I would say that, quite frankly, over my career, I, I haven't been inclined to risk as much as I should have been. And I have also cost myself likely likely millions of dollars by being too risk averse and you know my life my life as a young man i made some shall we say questionable life decisions and found myself in a situation where i was incredibly risk averse compared to how i had been and you know life is hard when you have you know life's hard when you've got about eighty thousand dollars in expenses um every single year and you're trying to make everything work with like a 25 or $30,000 bankroll, right? Like your bankroll, you have to 33% your bankroll every single month just to keep your head above water so that you can pay for everything. And like there are multiple people relying on you. You know, that's a level of stress that I hopefully would never, I would never wish it on anybody who's listening and certainly would never wish it upon myself ever again in the future. Yeah, I find one thing that's that's really nice is kind of minimizing expenses, and it's I think it's important as a poker player to not have that stress at the back of your mind where you've got a thousand dollar car payment, you're paying three thousand dollars a month for rent, and all sorts of other uh, expenses that just aren't needed. Um, you need to be flexible as as a poker player. Yeah, don't be young and replicate your DNA and have your little spawn be bopping around in the world. Ah, yes, the the little rugrats, that problem. Um, I, I, I don't have that problem yet, so I, I can't really speak to that. Yeah, they're expensive. Let me, let me, spoiler alert, they cost a lot of money. I'd like to move this, the conversation in the direction of downswings, and I, I'd like to hear to the, like, your advice to the listener of what would you advise? How do you deal with a 15, 20, 25 buy-in downswing? Do you make any adjustments? How do you approach it how do you deal with it you deal with it right i, I don't know it, it's 
you feel the emotions, you question assumptions that you're making, you dive into your database and, and kind of see if reality is in line with what you're telling yourself. So if you're on a downswing and you're, you know, you think you're getting incredibly lucky or incredibly unlucky and you're telling everybody, oh, I just run so bad, I run so bad, I run so bad. And you look at your database and you see that you've punted off five or 10 buy-ins or you have somebody who's a higher level than you as a coach that says like, whoa, this is not run bad, right? Like this is just play bad. Then you have to accept that reality and, and you have to make an agreement with yourself to start trying to improve your poker game on a regular basis, right? Like variance happens, downswings happen. However, it's so easy to make the excuse that you're just getting unlucky when the reality is it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're actually playing at a much lower level than you thought you were. So you need to raise your skill level. I think that just human beings in general don't understand variants. We don't. We're not able to biologically, uh, emotionally deal with it in a very positive way. And that's just going to create some, some issues when things are not going well. I, I really like one thing in particular that you said, which was to have a, a higher level player than yourself take a look at, at your game and make sure that you're not just punting away and, and making mistakes. Because when you're early in, in your poker career, it's really, really difficult to um, accurately determine whether you're making great plays or, or not. Even like to this day on downswings, it can be difficult for, for myself to fairly evaluate whether I am making good plays or not. But as a beginner or intermediate player, it's just nearly impossible. So I, I think reaching out to a coach or a higher level friend uh, is is absolutely crucial. Just an unbiased outside source, right? Like we we really don't place enough importance as to the role that our emotions play when evaluating the hands that we've played, evaluating our database, evaluating our skill level, evaluating how things are going. Like emotions are going to create biases that make it very, very, very difficult to correctly analyze how well you're actually playing. Specifically when I, I was coming up and uh, I think I was playing 50 or 100 ml at the time, I, I came upon a few little like tricks that I found that that helped me kind of alleviate the the emotions with poker a little bit, and the most important thing for me was online to articulate my logic behind why I thought a play was going to be the best play before I clicked call or before I clicked raise or before I clicked fold, because I'm able to settle on a decision and the logic behind it before the emotion starts flooding you and skewing your perception versus if you just snap call a, a bet on the river because you think it's correct and then you see the result you lost, maybe your your emotion uh, makes you start to question whether it was right or not. I think there's real power in verbally declaring what you're going to do before you take the action as well. Like We think a lot of thoughts and a lot of them are just kind of noise and contradictory to one another but when it when that noise passes through the filter and you verbally declare something you're just much more likely to follow through than if you just have a random thought that you never speak there's a, another quote that i i really like in in 
in downswings especially. And that's the idea that in poker, you're going to lose often, even if you're a very good player. Um, and it doesn't matter. It's part of the poker life. Um, it's the reason why recreational players are able to delude themselves into thinking they might be winning and why poker is profitable for so many of us. And it's very logical, right? But when we're in the thick of it, when the bullets are whizzing past our head and we're bleeding out, it's not super useful like when we're on a 15 or 20 buy and downswing. You know, logic and emotions, they just don't they don't really mix. And it's just, it's hard treading water and holding yourself together. I would say another thing that people don't really put enough thought into is how is their life going? Are there outside sources that are creating stress? Do you have parents who are, you know, dealing with health issues? You know, do you have some sort of friction caused by friends who you let borrow money? Just anything that could be draining you, anything that could be wearing you down or flare up your emotions. It's not really hard to find things over the past year, I would imagine, for most of us being stuck indoors throughout this this pandemic and dealing with you know, just what appears to be crisis upon crisis, crisis upon crisis, it's very easy for that to wear down on you. And then when you sit down at the poker table and a couple of things don't go your way, you're much more likely to be emotionally compromised. Your level of play drops. And yeah, it's just, you have to take care of yourself on a very micro level, but also on a macro level as well. We had a, a villager who was, was new to online poker and hopped into the online streets and started out great. I think he won, I don't know, 5, 10, 15, 15 buy-ins at, at whatever stake he was playing. Everything was great. And then he lost it all back and was was freaking out. And he just wasn't really in tune with just how common 5 and 10 buy-in downswings are. And even like 15 to 20 are, are not unheard of. It's just it's just a part of, it, of poker. I know the largest downswing that I've ever been been on was 23 buy-ins over the course of 17 years that's the biggest downswing that i've ever experienced and it it was not fun right one thing that's important that i want to add is like some people will lose like 15 buy-ins in one session and chalk it up to coolers and variants and i just want to say straight away that's bullshit and you're likely deluding yourself because it's something that I have personally never experienced in 17 years and no high level player that I'm in contact with has experienced like a 15 buy-in downswing in a single day where they're playing on their A game and they're just making great decision after great decision. It's just something that like, it just shouldn't happen. And if it does, don't try to pretend that this was some like outlier, crazy, horrible day where nothing went right. Like, very likely you punted away at least, you know, four or five, six buy-ins. It's funny you mentioned that because I, I'm not going to say their name, but one of the Run It Once pros has, has a video on, on their site, and they were reviewing a session where they lost, I want to say 13 buy-ins in that session, and I believe they only play 500 and bigger games. Um, so kind of an expensive day. And in the video, you can see them defending a lot of the plays they were making, but they were just 
they were a smart person just finding justification for the plays when in reality they were they were quite bad and they were clearly emotionally compromised or, or tilted when they were playing that session it I have personally never experienced that sort of swing in a day, but I also usually stop after four to five buy-ins. It's just my stop loss for one day. I'm a high intensity player who typically plays low volume as well. Like whenever I'm in it, my goal is around a thousand hands a day. So (laughs) really hard for me to lose 15 buy-ins in a thousand hands a day. But the, the, the danger is like the smarter you are, the more, you know, the easier it is for you to, justify subpar play with some excuse that seems rational right like it feels rational even from somebody who's listening to you speak they might even say well that sounds somewhat rational right that's reasonable maybe they should have lost a stack there right but like it's just very 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 easy to trick and delude yourself and not face the reality that yeah sometimes you just play like shit right like that there's a quote i can't remember who said it or where it's from that's like it's not good enough to know how to play well you actually have to play well you know you you actually have to execute and so yeah it's a i don't know the poker lifestyle it can be a a mental and emotional minefield and doesn't matter how smart you are we can all fall victim to believing that we're just absurdly unlucky or playing way better than we actually are and after the break, we are going to talk about a, a debate Matt Berkey and Christian Soto had on bankroll management and moving up through the sticks. Look, I totally get it. You feel like being a lone wolf in your poker journey has hamstrung your ability to realize your full potential. So I'm about to give you a golden opportunity to plug into a supportive tribe that will be the poker family you've always wished you had. How much money would you give for one hour of interactive group coaching led by myself, Coach Thomas, and occasionally past guests of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast? For now, and this will absolutely change at some point in the near future, the price of admission to the Live Poker Power Hour is 100% free. All you've got to do to get your invite is head to ChasingPokerGreatness.com and hop on the VIP newsletter. No more excuses, no more procrastination, it's time to take action and put yourself in position to turn your poker dreams into reality. I hope to see that beautiful face of yours in just a couple of days. All right, welcome back to the back half of Tactical Tuesday. Not really a half, more like closing closing discussion where Coach Thomas and I are going to dive into a recent conversation that Christian Soto and Matt Berkey had on bankroll management aggressively taking shots. Thomas, why don't you clue the listener in to this discussion? So Matt Berkey and Christian Soto were talking about the idea that $0 to a $10,000 bankroll is almost identical, that your likelihood of going bust is relatively high and you should just be as aggressive as possible with it um what do you think about that brad do you think that's a reasonable statement do you disagree i don't know i would i guess i would have to hear the context in which they were arguing i mean is it live poker only because i think that zero dollars and ten thousand dollars is quite a significant 
uh, difference as it relates to like being a mid-stakes online grinder? Sure. So I think the the debate, I, I listened to it, I want to say a couple months ago, but I could be mistaken, uh, was specifically for live poker um, with the goal of scaling to uh, being able to make a living off of poker. Yeah, I mean, in a live poker sense, I, I think it's pretty accurate. And the way that I've always thought about bankroll is the smaller it is, the more easily replaceable and the more easily replaceable the less valuable it is so you know if you can buckle down and work and save up another 5k then take your shot and hope that eventually one of these shots stick but you do have to bear in mind that like you have to work on your skill level too like you have to be a good poker player and if you're taking significant time away from the game while you're rebuilding your bankroll what are you doing to improve in the meantime, right? Like we don't want to be kind of degenerates who are just kind of scratching the poker lottery ticket, hoping that we're going to run it up. Um, we're going to run up 5K to 50K because, yeah, you can, right? You can run up 5K to 50K, but it's very easy to run 50K back, right back down to zero if your skill level doesn't merit the stakes that you're playing. So it's kind of, uh, you know, you got to walk on, on that sort of razor's edge and, live with a lot of self-awareness the the way i perceive on this situation is i don't quite agree i do agree in the sense that if you can get a job and and replenish it and it's not going to impact your your life you have a separate life role um, i think it can be fine but if it's the last ten thousand dollars to your name i think you should be very cautious with at least a few thousand of it and, and the reason why i think that is Similar to how in, in poker tournaments, your your last chips are worth more than like future chips, just because uh, you you're still alive, you you still can can win the tournament. In life, your your first dollars have much more utility than your your ten million dollar does. Um, you're able to buy food, supplies, get shelter. So I, I think that this is like an extremely risky mentality to to suggest on someone yeah but you got to look at it from Berkey's standpoint right Berkey is Berkey is someone that believes in trial by fire baptism by fire you gain your hardness you gain your resiliency as a poker player by getting fucked up by getting punched in the face kicked in the kicked in the gut when you're on the ground and stabbed you know, right in the throat multiple times. Like, that's how you build up that armor, that thick skin. So it makes a lot of sense that this would be how Berkey approaches it. And I think that for a certain type of individual, maybe this maybe this path would have been much better for you, right? Where you get punched, you get hardened to the swings, and you become a little bit less risk-averse early on when there's much less uh, at stake. But I think that for somebody, it's probably it, it's probably advice that just is individual, individual in nature works for some people is not going to work for other people. I would be hesitant to actually dole out this advice as counterintuitive as this might seem to somebody who is more risk inclined, because I feel like the more risk inclined person is much more likely to go broke over the long run once 
once a shot takes sticks. And I think that you, as a human, you'd be less likely to go broke once that shot takes stuck, but you'd also be harder and a little bit less risk averse. I think what would have actually happened with me is if I were to take this approach, um, there would be only one shot. And if I failed, I would not be playing poker again, uh, unfortunately. Um, so it's it's tough to say. It's just a, a really tricky thing to actually evaluate. I think to to actually scale to high stakes, I do think that you have to have this sort of mentality, though. You have to be willing to put more of your bankroll on the table than you should in certain spots um, to have any real shot of making it into the 200, 400 plus type games. Let me let me challenge that though, right? Like you're a ball player. You played baseball in high school, right? Sure. What happens when you're striking out, you know? You can't hit the ball. You strike out over and over and over again. Did did you just give up and quit playing ball? Like did you bear down? Um how did you approach failure? I would practice, but I think that it's I my perspective on poker is different because there's the financial loss that comes to mind versus baseball there's just your time and your time is valuable but it's hard for for risk averse people to associate lost time in the same way as lost money it's interesting to me i I don't know that i quite buy that you would have quit playing poker I, i feel that in the same way that when i had my whole bankroll on the table playing 510 no limit with the thought that if i just go broke i'm just going to drive back home i don't think i was obviously at risk but if i would have went broke i believe that i 100 percent would have continued playing poker and would have found my way back to the game in some capacity so i actually think that like you may think that about yourself and but i would like to see it when it actually happens and when the emotions kind of subside and you find yourself on the other side realizing that like look i've got a skill that is valuable and I, I want to pursue it again and taking another shot. I, I just I, I can't imagine that you would just give up after failing the first time. But maybe I'm wrong. We have one data point to work off of for that, Brad. And that's after starting coaching with you when I went on my first major downswing and quit poker for several months to protect the money that I had won and then came back to it, as you suggest. Um, would I have done it if I had lost the entire bankroll i have no clue but uh maybe you're right because i I did find my way back to it yeah i think i think humans like we're scared of a lot of things but ultimately like we're just much more resilient than we give ourselves credit for i know that like me as a human i understand how i'm constructed and i am stubborn to a fault i was in a coaching session telling this story just the other day of there's a game that is played at amusement parks. It is a ladder with a bell at the end of it, and it's on a <laughs> rope. And you you have to balance and ring the bell, and you win the prize, right? I know that I have played that game at least 500 times in my life. And if I go to Six Flags and they spread that game, I remember a specific instance where I lost at it probably 20 times in a row. My arms were shaking. I had hit myself in the head with the ladder. Like I was bleeding down my face and still like paying money to try to fucking beat this thing that was driving me crazy. And like, I just know that I have that sort of 
mentality that when I can't do something, it drives me absolutely crazy and I just keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on and one day I will beat that game. I still have not beat it to this day, but it will be a uh, <laughs> I, I will tick that off of my uh, my challenge list when it's all said and done. But I, I think about that story sometimes and I just realize like I'm glad that I made that way and sometimes it's for better or worse, right? The, the downside of that is when you, for instance, have a toxic friendship where you have a friend that is a, a taker, maybe not a great person and just keep on bearing down and like, I can help this person. I can help this person. I can get through to them. I'll eventually get through to them. And then you just realize that you've wasted, you know, five years of your life and a bunch of energy on a lost cause. I, I think that in that way, my mentality can certainly destroy me. But um, yeah, I, I think that you have some of that resiliency in you as well, where, you know, bad shit happens in life. I know that you, you've had your fair share of, of really traumatic and bad experiences that you've lived through. And you're sitting here talking to me today with a, a smile on your face. And yeah, I just, I, I think that as human beings, the listener, give yourself credit for being able to persevere. Give yourself credit for being able to overcome. And the worst case scenarios that you experience in life are likely not going to break you they're likely going to forge you into a stronger version of yourself. Oh, well, I, I certainly am just a stubborn SU. I, I will say that. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> no shit. Anybody that joins Greatness Village will see that when me and Coach Thomas disagree about a line, it does not matter. I could bring down <laughs> God himself and ask him what the optimal play was, and Coach Thomas still wouldn't buy it. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well thank you for listening um we did something different this week uh please give us some feedback on whether you liked it or not i think we're going to be back to a normal type of tactical tuesday next week um but if you guys like this maybe we will uh, work a bit harder and and have more topics like this well you only had like you know four weeks to to come up with this one this time yeah so. only only four weeks if you haven't Join the Chasing Poker Greatness VIP newsletter so that you can hop into Greatness Village. I would highly suggest doing that. Thank you once again for listening. Subscribe wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And myself and Coach Thomas will catch you next time.